0: Welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. We want to welcome in any new listeners who are joining us for the very first time. We're happy to have you on board. For those of you who have been here from the start, you already know the drill. We live and die by this team just like the rest of you, and we make no apologies for that. I am your host, Jason Kelly, coming to you from Canton, Massachusetts. If you want to find us on Twitter, you can find us at bastards underscore Boston. Joining me tonight from Reading, Pennsylvania, is Micah Storms. Micah,
1: how are you? I'm doing well, Jason. I'm excited to no longer talk about that Marlins series. That was quite depressing. So now that we're beyond that and we can talk about something other than that series about the Red Sox, I'm all for it. So I'm ready to go
0: i'm with you there yeah absolutely also joining us tonight from myrtle beach south carolina by way of Wyndham maine is terry cushman terry how's it going
2: not too bad two red bulls deep uh into the night the 12 ounce cans you guys aren't energy drink people are you no
0: can't stand
1: the stuff that's a negative Never
2: had one. The only reason I am, I just I've always hated coffee. I've got the taste buds of a four year old. Um, I don't like hard alcohol, you know, whiskey, vodka. I just can't do anything like that. So my caffeine intake is, uh, you know, energy drinks. My favorite one is the uh, the Monster White Pineapple Reserve. Man, that's so good, so tasty. You got to love pineapple. It's a very polarizing fruit because. You know, the Italians got upset when we started putting it on pizza. But uh, and I'm pro pineapple on pizza, by the way, bacon and pineapple. That's my go to. Um, But yeah, so that's how my night's going.
0: See, I went the opposite direction. I opted for the the pint of Guinness after after that last Marlins game. So (laughs) definitely much needed after that.
2: St. Um, St. Patrick's Day drink, really. Yeah, well, for me, it's
0: a year year round one. It's but, just really yeah. thick and frothy, though. I just, I just can't. Yeah, a, a lot of people that's their chief complaint. But
1: I don't know. It's too dark. I, I'm winter time. You could sell me on a Guinness because it's cold, but not in the summertime. Summertime, it I have to like almost be able to really see through it nicely um, if I'm gonna drink a beer in the
2: summer. So, but I'm not
1: trying to yuck your yum. I'm not trying to do that. I'm not trying to do that.
2: No, I get it. Yep. Jason hates summer too. By the way, he's a winter guy. He calls it the superior season. I just like there's no baseball in the winter.
0: Well, fall is the superior season, but winter is is second to that. Yeah, summer's dead last for me, except for baseball. That's that's the one good part of summer. But yeah, it's already too hot. Um, so speaking of those those Red Sox and and that pathetic. Miami Marlins series. Um, a big reason why the Red Sox struggled is that the offense just can't get off the ground, and one of the reasons the offense can't get off the ground is because of the play in the outfield and the return of Adam Duvall, kind of you know thought would be a good thing and hasn't really worked out. And when he came back, we sort of said, "Well, this will be good because if have a lot of lefties in that outfield with Duran, Verdugo, Yoshida, Duvall could, would help kind of break it up." Hasn't really worked. And now we're already kind of looking ahead to 2024 because, let's face it, the way the season's going, might as well start looking ahead to 2024. We know Duvall won't be here, regardless of whether he gets traded or not because he's got a one-year deal. But Verdugo, Duran, and Yoshida look like they will be. And we sort of were wondering, is that a good thing? Do you want an outfield that's filled with all left-handed hitters? Because you've already got Devers... At third base, he's obviously not going anywhere. That's another lefty bat. Tristan Costas, assuming that he figures it out and you know delivers uh, what they believe he can do, he's going to stay at first base. So already, right there, five out of your nine hitters are lefty. So we were sort of asking, you know, is that good for the Red Sox to to have an all left-handed outfield, or should they consider moving one of those guys? breaking up that that lefty tandem and shaking things up in the outfield to bring in a right-handed bat. Uh, Michael, I'll start with you. What would you like to see them do with those three
1: guys? That's a tough one because I think the only guy you can guarantee that would be here is Yoshida based on the contract that he signed. He still has four more years after uh, 23 Uh, But Verdugo, he's got one more year. So this offseason is the telling offseason because they're either going to move him or they're going to extend him. I don't – it would be stupid to keep him um, without a new contract and just let him play out the rest of uh, 24 and then hit free agency. Like the best value you'll get for him will be this offseason or even potentially at the trade deadline this year. Um, And then Duran, he's taken a big step forward. Um, but is he a platoon player or is he a guy you can play every day? That That is still to be determined, but if the Red Sox, if they keep going down this path of uh, looking like they are going to be sellers at the deadline, I would imagine by the offseason we will know exactly who Jaron Duran is and what he is for this team moving forward. Um, I don't love the idea of having three lefties in the outfield. I think it really um, – it. it it, whoever the manager, if it's going to be Cora next year, or whoever it's going to be, I think it really um, prevents them from having a lot of options. You know, you know, Rob Snyder based on the fact that he is going to be here next year, you know, he will be a guy who faces lefties because that is his strength. But then you still have two other guys who really are not that good against lefties. Um, so I'm not sure I love that. Um, but both Verdugo and... Duran, I do think they carry real trade value. I think they could um, acquire probably a pitcher, um, maybe even a, a right-handed bat, depending on what they want to do. But I think some team would definitely benefit from one of those two guys. They could you could insert them into a lineup for Verdugo. That's an all-star. That's because I really think he'll be an all-star this year. That's a that's a valuable guy, and you have to have him for a year. Um, a year and a half if you get him at the deadline. So you could extend him if you really like him, but you know who Verdugo is Verdugo is as a hitter. Um, maybe in the, a different ballpark, he becomes a little bit more of a power hitter. I just don't think Fenway Park fits his swing in terms of power. He can be a doubles guy like crazy. I think he's leading the league in doubles now with the monster. Um, but, you know, I mean, could you imagine Alex Verdugo playing half of his games in Yankee Stadium? I think he would do just fine um, in the power department. Um, but there's also, uh, Rafaela who just got promoted to AAA. So, you know, how does he factor into this equation? Because the, the descriptions about his defense is he's a gold glove caliber center fielder, um, who also bats right-handed, but the bat is the biggest question. So where would you factor him into this equation? Because if he's a gold glove center fielder, than with how bad the defense has been over the last four years under Heim Bloom. I think I would much rather say we're going to shore up either center field or right field, whatever you want to do. If you view right field more important in Fenway Park, so be it. Um, but it would be nice to have a legit defender in the outfield again. Um, and see where the bat comes. Uh, you know, I don't want the Red Sox to have a, a Jackie Bradley Jr. 2.0 with a, a great defender and a, a guy who hits 200. I don't want that to be Rafaela. Um, but I am intrigued with, the, with him, and he's a righty. Um, I, don't, I don't want three lefties going into 2024 in the outfield. So I think the best move is to move one of them. Um, I, I would vote Duran. Um, just because I think Dur- I think Verdugo has proven he can be a, a really valuable leadoff guy. He hits both lefties and righties fairly well. Um, so I would trade Duran um, either for a pitcher and or a right-handed bat, and I would look at Rafaela potentially. I mean, he still has to develop in AAA, but I, I would be intrigued with him um, being uh, a member of the outfield moving forward. Terry, what do you think?
2: Earlier this year, I was extremely vocal. I thought we were too lefty heavy. Uh, You know, and you're going to face a lot of lefty pitchers and then things are going to get complicated. You know, elite bullpens that have good lefties would probably stifle us late in games. All kinds of concerns. And then we got hot you know, what, third week of April, so I've backed off it, and I haven't really been complaining about it much because I've just been resigned to the fact we have a very flawed team, and we're still just two games under 500. and offensively, I mean, I think this team is better than what it's been. I, I think they're certainly capable of... Being a lot more productive offensively, I think we're completely doomed uh, from a pitching standpoint. But, but you know, too many lefties for me is definitely a problem, and I'd hate to get rid of Duran. I really would. I mean. As Micah was giving his take, I I was flipping back to score sheet after score sheet that I keep for each series. So I have like a master score sheet. And going back to the Cardinals series, he had a 2-for-11 series and a 3-for-12. Those were his worst series at the plate. So he hasn't really had a, a prolonged slump. Like you've seen from other, you know, batters in the lineup. Kike has gone through that. Casas, Duvall isn't super hot right now. Um, Turner has been streaky, you know, at times, hot and cold on certain series. But Duran just hasn't really, he hasn't gone into the slump that many of us expected would happen. And. I don't think a David Hamilton-type guy has the ceiling that Duran has. I think Duran's ceiling is way higher, and it almost seems like he's an automatic stolen base if he wants to. He's going to run on most people, and he's going to take that bag. If their catcher has a a bad pop time, and I just don't see how Duran's going to be beat you know, to second base. So I I would personally, I would hate to get get rid of Duran. The curious thing to me is why have they not extended Verdugo? Like, it would be the easiest thing to do it wouldn't be a massive contract. It probably wouldn't even exceed a hundred million just guessing. And if it did, it wouldn't be drastically, he wouldn't blow past that. So they could extend him. And I'm just wondering if there's something behind the scenes that they're not crazy about with him. And, Maybe stuff we don't know about, and I'm sure none of that is really that serious in the grand scheme of things, if my suspicions were correct, but perhaps there's something that just doesn't doesn't gel. I don't know, but. I think he's your he's definitely your best offensive trade chip at the deadline. There's nobody else on this team offensively that you're realistically going to trade. You're not trading Devers, you're not trading Ishida. Just going down the list, I mean, I don't you don't really have anybody else. Well, maybe yeah, Turner's probably not going to net you a whole lot. Um I'm sure you'll get something for him if they decide to deal him, but there's a lot of attractive qualities with Verdugo. I mean, he's an adequate defender. He's a viable top of the order bat, very low strikeout rate. And I think this August, his, his values never going to be higher. You could trade him and, and still get something for him this winter, but it's never going to be higher than it is right now. So if, three lefty outfielders they think is a problem i think i think they're going to explore the verdugo thing i just think that's more likely the the route that they will take i mean what's duran worth he's obviously worth more than he was last winter when he was a, a dfa candidate by the way i mean there was a time where we thought his 40 man spot might be valuable, uh, you know, in terms of putting someone else in it. So, I mean, what's Duran really worth? Like, what team's going to overpay for him? I don't know. So, but like you said, Jason, Casa's probably not going anywhere. Devers not going anywhere. So, that's two. That's two infielders. You're probably going to have a lefty catcher. Just guessing. You might not. I mean, we had the Vasquez-Ploiecki thing for a few years, and and they were both righties. But um, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go, but balance is important. And right now, we're we're way off balance. And that needs to be addressed, uh, you know, at some point during the winter at the latest. Yeah, and that's the one benefit the Red Sox have is they don't
0: have to make that decision this season. They don't have to do it at the deadline. They may be tempted because, like you said, Alex Verdugo, if teams call about him, uh, he is your most valuable trade ship. And they may, you know, we've seen in, in in past seasons trade deadlines, like the prices just skyrocket for some guys and teams just throw their top five prospects around you know left and right so part of me wonders if if the red Sox get a phone call from i don't know cincinnati right cincinnati's trying to you know get over the hump and and really get into the playoffs for a first time in a long time if they call with a package of you know top 10 prospects are the red Sox really going to be able to say no to that because like you said they haven't extended verdugo yet and he's made it pretty clear he wants to stay He, he you know publicly said like yeah i'm all ears let's talk let's talk contract um it wouldn't be a super expensive contract i don't think you could get away with giving him the benintendi deal but you wouldn't have to go as far as the brandon nimmo deal you could find somewhere in the middle where you're right it may not even exceed 100 million or if it does it just barely gets over 100 million um but it would be a very reasonable contract for him so why the red sox haven't jumped at that opportunity, I I agree that that is suspicious because, you know, is there something behind the scenes or is it just that they're hanging on to him and they're not extending him because they're waiting for those trade calls to come in, whether it be this year or whether it be, you know, or this summer or in the winter, you know, maybe that's what they're waiting for. The guy that I would want to deal would be Duran only because, I like Verdugo's makeup. I like that he, he obviously likes playing in Boston, which is a struggle to find these days to find guys that actually like playing in Boston and like playing in this market. Um, you know, he's, he's been challenged by the manager and he's responded. You know, Cora challenged him to get in better shape in the offseason. He did. Cora challenged him to improve his defense. He did. Verdugo said going into this year, his personal goals were to make the All Star team. And to win a gold glove, it looks like he'll probably make the all-star team. I hope he does at least gold glove. I don't know. We'll see, but his defense does get better year by year. And Fenway right field is no playground. I mean, that that is a tough position to play and he does it very, very well. Um, And I also like that Verdugo was established early on, you know, Duran has been a little bit of a late bloomer. He's 26, going to be 27 soon. And really, he's had, what, a couple of good months? I mean, last year, this guy, like you said, Terry, he was a disaster. And we were wondering, you know, is this guy even a big leaguer at all? Now, he's definitely improved. He went back down to Worcester, did what he had to do, fixed his game a little bit. But, you know, the batting average is up. The at-bats are getting better. He's utilizing his speed. He's never going to be a great defender, I don't think. I I think at this stage of his career, that's going to be tough to to really instill in him. He's not going to turn into Jackie Bradley or or anything like that. He's a average to somewhat below average defender out there. He doesn't have the best arm. Um, so that's the guy between him and Verdugo. I would feel more comfortable with them dealing Duran, but the return won't be as great. So that's the catch, right? You want to deal Duran because you feel better about Verdugo, but you're not going to get nearly as much for Jaron Duran. I think, honestly, Verdugo can net you a top-five prospect. Duran, you're lucky if you get a prospect in the top 20s. I mean, honestly, it, that that's kind of the difference between those two guys. That's how much more valuable Alex Verdugo is. So, ultimately, I would still... I think I would still deal Duran, and I would just extend Verdugo. But the Red Sox have to make that decision soon. And it may... You know, as much as I said, they have time on their side because the only expiring contract in that outfield is Adam Duvall's, which bye bye. See you later. Who cares? They may have to make the decision on Verdugo by this trade deadline. Are you going to trade him or are you going to extend him? Because teams are going to call and it's going to be really hard for the Red Sox to hang up the phone, you know, given some of the packages that they might be offered. Micah, any uh, other thoughts?
1: Yeah, I agree with you that Verdugo's value, if he would be dealt at this year's deadline, is far better than Duran's value. But I am curious, would you change your mind on that? And this is for you too, Terry. Um, If Verdugo, say the Red Sox say, we're not going to extend you, but we're going to move you in the offseason, do you think one year of Alex Verdugo is you're going to get more value in terms of a trade versus five more years of jaron duran obviously it depends on how duran finishes the year but five more years of duran versus one year of verdugo which do you think gives you a better package of players um coming back
0: i personally i still lean for dugo because like we talked about with his contract what it would be earlier i don't think teams are scared to give him that contract I, I don't think that that would scare anybody away. I think other teams would look at it and say, well, yeah, it's for one year, but if we wanted to extend him, he's not going to be too expensive. And ultimately, he's the better player with still the higher ceilings, so let's take Verdugo. Um, but it's, it's valid because, yeah, Duran is under team control for much longer. So that is appealing to some of the – especially the smaller market teams that maybe don't want to throw their money around too much.
2: Yeah, I mean, unquestionably, Verdugo does net you the bigger uh, return on a trade. Uh, The other thing, too, is he's controllable through 2024, so it's not a rental per se. I mean, you still have him. The team that acquires him can, can go for it this year with him on their roster and then flip him next summer if they wanted to like so there's just so many possibilities um, the acquiring team can can do the one thing that gives me pause and I guess before I get to this I just want to say I mean the, the a lot of dominoes would have to fall and and if Alex Verdugo if they announced tomorrow that Alex Verdugo had a five or six year extension I wouldn't throw a fit about it I, I'd be fine I mean It's ultimately a good problem to have, you know, Duran versus Verdugo. But the one thing that does give me pause is what if a 100 to 120 million dollar contract prevents you from getting the next Kevin Gosman type guy when you could just be paying Duran, you know, the minimum and then arbitration So I kind of like the idea of not having a huge contract. I mean, you got Devers at at big money. Um, Yoshida, not huge money, but still it's a significant contract. And you might be looking to extend a guy like Bayo at some point, uh, which probably uh, won't be cheap. And uh, I don't know if Kostas' extension talks will kick up. He'd have to have a hell of a second half. And even then, I think, you know, they'd want to look at, you know, what he does uh, coming out of the gates next season anyway. But I don't know. I just I love the idea that Duran is cheap and you're going to have Marcelo Meyer up. He's going to be cheap for a little while. Nick York will be cheap for a little while. I know we got some pitching prospects that are within a year or two and and they will be as well. So that's just one thing I look at, but I, if Duran got traded, I wouldn't throw a fit. If Verdugo got extended, I wouldn't throw a fit, you know. I like them both, but you can't keep everyone. You know, you need balance, like I was saying earlier.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, talking about the next big money pitching contract that you might want to pursue keep in mind that if you extend verdugo okay yeah that that eats up some of your payroll but in a couple years no more chris sale contract no more justin turner contract no more kenley jansen contract so as much as you're bringing money on every year there's going to be money coming off as well so it's kind of like a net of you know not that much that you're adding um so, I, you know, and again, Verdugo's contract is not going to be astronomical. So for the Red Sox, it should not preclude them from signing any any other big free agents. Um, granted, I could see them using that as an excuse. You know, if, hey, uh, we extended Verdugo, so yeah, that's why we didn't get in on the Otani sweepstakes. Like, I could totally see them uh, using that as, as an excuse and giving that to the fan base. But I don't believe it would preclude them from anything like that.
2: It just occurred to me as well. I mean, <laughs> I think the best comp is actually on our team right now. I mean, should he be making like a hundred and twenty million would put him about forty million more than Yoshida. So, is he more valuable overall than Yoshida? I mean, he's better defensively, but. I don't know. I mean, he's not quite as elite at the plate as uh, Yoshida potentially is.
1: Yeah, I I was thinking that if they decide to not extend Verdugo and they say, well, we're going to go with the cheaper option, I feel like depending on what they do in the offseason, if they are not super aggressive in the pitching market like it really says a lot about where this team is like if if a, a five and say 90 because that's what Yoshida got, if it's five and 95, whatever it is, if that's preventing the Red Sox from spending their money, I think that says this team and this this ownership group in particular is is not really serious in building a winning team. I, I still think Duran you can win with Duran. But if you're trying to save dollars, but not reinvest it into other parts of the team, that says a lot. If they say they, if you if Terry, if you're like, well, Duran's cheaper, and you can go get a a pitcher and you can add to the rotation a, a number two starter, maybe that Japanese pitcher. If you use the money for that, you you save on Verdugo and you give it to him. No complaints for me. But if you don't use that money and you go out and you sign a, a few more one or two year deals because you don't want um, to tie up big, big money and you want financial flexibility, then I will be pretty frustrated because I, Verdugo's worth the money. You know what you're going to get in Verdugo. I think Duran, there still are question marks in, in the type of player he's going to be. Um, but if you're trying to build a, a better baseball team, you can convince me that Verdugo should be traded, um, but you got to go out and do it then. And with this with this ownership group, we we've seen very little commitment from them to say we're 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 going to win. You know, the Story deal was a big deal, and the Yoshida deal was big, but they've yet to go out and say we're going to address the pitching problems. And until they do that, and it, it's risky P- investing in pitchers. I mean, we're seeing it with Chris Sale now. Investing in pitchers is is risky but the rotation the only way this team improves is with pitching help in the rotation and they need to do that to convince me that they are serious about winning
2: my final uh observation here um this has been oh it feels like it's been a long season <laughs> It, it's like a lifetime almost from now to where we were on opening day. And there's a lot of baseball left to be played before the deadline. You know, you got a, a full month. And I think that that could be a big month for Duran in, in terms of the jury, you know, rendering a verdict. Has he arrived? Is he a bona fide player? You know, is by then it's a pretty good sample size and so i just wonder if his performance in july will determine you know maybe what the fate is for verdugo cuz like i said it would be they sh- they could extend him tomorrow and it would it, it would be dumb not to if if they you know, ha had a lot of interest in him. Why why wait? You know, to the point where other teams are gonna get involved and possibly outbid you. Like it would be the that's the easiest extension you could do. So but it hasn't happened. And that's that's a little strange to me. So we'll see, but it's it's going to be a fascinating month uh, either way. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot will be
0: decided uh, in the following month, not just for this season, but going forward as well. So definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, so real quick, in the category of oh, you think you've got problems. Um, We're going to head out to the National League, Uh, two teams that are getting talked about a lot over there for their underwhelming seasons. Uh, Firstly, the New York Mets in the NL East right now, um, at least at the time of this recording, they are 17 and a half back in the NL East, uh, under 500 by nine games. Steve Cohen, the owner, um, basically posted on Twitter saying, I'm going to do a press conference. You're going to hear it straight from me. Um, not that anything like that would ever happen with this ownership group. So, but he did do that press conference and he said that show Walters not getting fired. Um, Billy Epler's not getting fired for now. He did say though, if things don't turn around, um, heads are going to roll. So, you know, that's, uh, they're, they're in a little bit of uh, chaos right now. Um, you know, Buck Showalter's not, not playing the young guys and, Uh, fans are getting frustrated with him. The pitching hasn't quite been there the way that they'd hoped. Um, Obviously the Diaz injury that that was a brutal blow to them as well. So they're in a little bit of a crisis and joining with them out there in the NL West, the San Diego Padres uh, who are now the new home of our, our old friend, Xander Bogarts, who is getting pretty mouthy over there, by the way. Um, He's, he's been very verbal about the team struggles and, how you know unhappy he is with that? Not having the best season himself, uh, you know. As a reminder, um, they had the Tatis suspension to deal with. He's now back playing the outfield for them. Um, you know, Machado was hurt for a while. He's, I think, he's back now. Um, but they're ten and a half back in the NL West, also under five hundred. And again, just a team that had a lot of you know lofty expectations going into this year. Uh, a lot of people were picking them to win the NL West, especially after the addition of Xander Bogarts. And with the pitching they have and with, you know, that lineup, I think people expected a lot more, and it just has not come together for either team. So uh, we're, we're at the midway point, and season's not over, but for these teams, it's, you know, quickly uh, fading away from them. So my question to you guys is, between the Padres or the Mets, which team do you think is more likely to turn it around, figure things out, and make the playoffs? Micah, I'll start with you.
1: That is a tough question. I whew. You look at the standings in terms of the NL wildcard, and they are side-by-side, side, which is appropriate. The Padres find themselves eight games back from the last wildcard spot, and the Mets are nine games back, so... We pretty much have a head-to-head race here. Um, And it's interesting because they were the winners, the two clear winners of the offseason. And they were the two big spenders. And I was very curious to see, as was much of the baseball world, were they going to kind of break baseball because they were going to be so good and they spent all this money. And it's really been the total opposite, which is kind of funny. But I think they're kind of equally in terrible spots. Um, I, I wouldn't personally bet on either of them because I think they are both train wrecks. Um, but if I had to pick one of them, I would pick the Padres because the New York Mets, their entire organization in terms of the big league club is built around two pitchers over the age of 40 and Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer. It's similar to last year. It was built around Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom. If those, if their front of the rotation is healthy, they can beat anyone. Well, last year, Max Scherzer got hurt, and he got tired, and he wasn't the same pitcher in October, and it burned him. And this year, Scherzer hasn't been the same guy, and Verlander, his velocity's down. He's not the same guy either. So you're you're really expecting two 40-year-olds who have like a combined – 6,000 innings on their two arms. Um, you would basically be expecting them to carry the New York Mets into the playoffs. I just don't know if I see those guys doing it versus if you look at the Padres, it's really their core group of, of superstars in, in um, Soto, Bogarts, and Machado. Those are the guys who have kind of underperformed. And I would I would bet on those three guys reverting back to their career norms much better than expecting 40-year-olds to all of a sudden find lightning in a bottle and start throwing 98 again. I just don't see it with the Mets. The the offense has been up and down, but it it really does come down to their starting pitching. Um, There's a wild stat out there about if their pitchers go six innings, they're like... 25 and two, but if they don't, it is just a, it is atrociously bad. I think they've won like four games or something. It, it just it's terrible the difference if they their their pitchers don't give them length. Um, but I, give me the Padres in that one. But I, whew, I don't love it. I don't love it at all. Terry, who's your pick?
2: It's really tough. I mean. You look at they—they're they're both in extremely tough divisions. Let's put it that way. I mean, the Mets have the Braves, the Marlins, and, and the Phillies have gotten pretty hot lately. The Phillies are only just two games out of the third wild card at this point, six games above five hundred, and I, I think they were as many as three or four games under five hundred uh, at some point earlier in the season, uh, in the month of May, sometime, uh, and. So you got the Mets that are going to have to try to leapfrog all those teams that are just playing so well in the division. And then on the other side of the country, the Padres have the same situation. I mean, you got the Diamondbacks leading the division, Uh, probably not a fluke. I mean, that's a talented team. Uh, Corbin Carroll uh, is day to day with a shoulder issue. So. Hopefully that um, doesn't hinder the, the Diamondbacks and, and he comes back uh, in uh, in a couple of days. But um, you got them leading the division, then you got the Dodgers and the Giants in the wildcard spot. So then that's just a tough division for the Padres to have to compete in. For me, I, I give the edge to the Padres because... They're not, San Diego isn't the same circus that Queens is. And the Padres don't have a Steve Cohen type owner that's meddling in everything and sticking his nose in any everywhere. I can't even tell you who even owns the Padres. <laughs> I, I know I've probably seen it, but, um, you know, AJ Preller is essentially the GM and he's one of the most aggressive um, you know, in major league baseball. So uh, the other thing too is Preller's ass is probably on the line. You know, they spent all this money this off season. They really don't have a ton to show for it. And, They need to win, so it just makes me wonder what their deadline plans will be. You know, will they make an acquisition? I mean, it's probably not going to be the blockbuster trade you saw a couple summers ago, you know, where the Dodgers got uh, Scherzer from the Nationals and gave up Mackenzie Gore and, you know, a couple other nice prospects. But um, I I just think the Padres are, you know... They're in a much better um, environment. Their atmosphere isn't uh, hostile or anything. Like, every time Cohen gives an interview, it's, like, heavily scrutinized. And um, it's just, that's not good. That's not, if the Red Sox had an owner like that, oh, my goodness. (laughs) You know, it wouldn't be fun podcasting, you know, about a team with with that type of an ownership. So um yeah, they're both probably cooked if we're if we're being honest, but slight edge to the Padres for me.
0: Yeah, I'm going to make it 3 for 3 cuz I I would also bet on the Padres if it's going to happen. I I'm not sure either team like you said I, I think they both might be too far out of it at this point, but that Padres rotation I'll take over New York's any day. Um, you know, Snell, Musgrove, Darvish, um, they just, they have better frontline pitching. I think they have a better bullpen too. I mean, I, I didn't realize that David Robertson was closing games for the Mets now with Diaz out. I mean, that's, I didn't even think that guy was still around. Um, give me Josh Hader over David Robertson at the end of a game. And I just think the Padres, their, their talent is too good and guys are underperforming, but I don't think that's going to last. Like Soto is is going to figure it out at some point. Um, you know, Tatis has already gotten off to, you know, a good start since coming back. Jay Cronworth is hitting like 207 right now. He's better than that. He's a better player than that. So I think San Diego's like individual talent has a better chance of turning it around than New York's. New York is an old team. I didn't realize how how old that whole roster is, but, um, you know, they got some young guys like Lindor, Alonzo, Brett Beatty. But, you know, I don't know, Daniel Vogelbach is their everyday DH. I mean, that guy's nothing special at all. Their their rotation is old. Their bullpen is old. Um, I, and I just think it, it is. It's too much of a circus over there. So I also I'm more of a Bob Melvin guy than a Buck Showalter guy. I, I have never been a Showalter fan. I just think that he's so overrated. I think that, you know, I don't know. I just If the roster is perfect, he's a good manager and he can, you know, lead you through. But same thing, my same complaint with him that I have about Alex Cora. It's like, if he has to dig a team out, he's the wrong guy to try and do it. Because he just, he's not the rah-rah, like, you know, get behind me guys. We're going to do this kind of manager. He's the kind that, you know, he's going to piss players off and start benching the wrong guys, you know, as soon as they lose a three game series or something. So I'll take the Padres. I just believe in that rotation and that front end talent way more than New York's right now. And like you said, Terry, not the circus, you know, I had to look up who the, uh, the Padres owner is like a Peter Sizer or something like never even heard of the guy. He's a businessman. Uh, You know, I don't think he's ever said a peep publicly about his team. Just, you know, it's such a calmer atmosphere over there. So I'll take San Diego.
1: Um, I have a question. I was thinking about this when you guys were talking. Do you think either of these teams would wave the white flag and become sellers at the deadline? Um, If so, which one? Or do you think they're both going down with the ship and saying, nope, nope. My pride's in the way. We've invested too much. We're just going to see it through for the final two months, and we might add a piece or two that are small and see what we can do. Um, I'm just curious on that because I I have a I have a, an opinion, but um, I'm curious what you think.
0: Oddly enough, if if either team were to do that, wave the white flag and become sellers, I think it's more likely to be the Mets because I think Cohen would do it just out of spite and out of anger. Like I could see Cohen just saying, you know what? I thought I brought in the right people. They screwed up, so now I'm just going to ship out whatever bad contracts I have. I'm going to focus on keeping like Lindor and keeping Alonzo around, but all you other guys, you're out, and we're going to start over, and we're going to do it the right way next time. Um, I think the Padres just, for them to blow it up, it's tough because the contracts they have, I mean – I don't know. Xander's long term, you know, Machado's going to stay there. Tatis, I don't know if he's really tradable at this point. It might be tougher for them. And they always have been so close. They've always been on the cusp that to get that close and then to just slam the window shut and be sellers and, and do that, you know, they finally got baseball to be back and relevant in San Diego after so many years of just nothing going on there. If you were to do that, it would drive that fan base away all over again. And I don't think this I don't think San Diego's upper management wants that. The owner, I, I don't know how invested he is, but I imagine he wants people going to the ballpark. So I can't see San Diego doing it for that reason. New York, they can do it because they know the fans will still show up. And, you know, TV ratings will still be there, all that. So Cohen doesn't care so much about that. He I could see him just doing it out of spite. So I would say the Mets are more likely to do that.
2: I don't think either team will go full-scale blow-up, but, I mean, if the Padres don't think they have a realistic chance of signing Soto, because they've already spent a lot of money, I could see that move happening. On the other side of the country, is paying Pete Alonso $300 million over 10 years going to improve their chances of winning. I mean, they, they can't even win with him right now while he's relatively cheap. So maybe this is the opportunity to deal Pete Alonso. And I think the, the Mets would listen on Verlander and Scherzer to try to get out of the, the financial aspect of those contracts. So I think you could see a mini sell off, uh, from both teams if they, uh, you know, can't inch further. I'll also say, I I, this kind of goes just back to the original uh, take here, but I love Buck Showalter, and if he ever managed the Red Sox, I would be intrigued, but I like Bob Melvin a lot, and when the Yankees fired Girardi, they called Oakland and asked if there was any way they could work something out to get Bob Melvin you know managing in the Bronx and the ace said no so then they got Aaron Boone and you know the rest is history yeah I'll, I'll say this I mean we've seen firsthand how flawed the Yankees are right now no offense really especially with Judge but here they are you know treading water and competing and you got the Mets that just have a blockbuster team on paper and they can't get out of their own way. It's just crazy how the Yankees are always better, even when they're pretty flawed themselves.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's, you know, the Mets being the little brother thing is uh very real, especially this year, because like you said, they, they tried to flex their muscles, but I don't spend a bunch of money, you know, Loudmouth owner, get a new manager in there, all that stuff, and it just they still fall flat in their face. And things aren't going great for the Yankees, but like you said, they're they're hanging in there. You know, they still have a much more realistic shot of being in the playoffs than the Mets ever will. So, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy that just the Yankees, as much as we rag on them, um, they they do have that upper hand on the Mets in terms of just how to run the organization, how to win games. Um, they just always find a way. So. So we'll see what happens with those two teams, and we'll see what happens with the rest of the league going forward. We are at the halfway point, so a lot of interesting stuff coming up. All-Star games right around the corner, trade deadline right after that. So a lot of uh, potentially exciting stuff heading our way, and hopefully uh, the Red Sox can be a part of that in some way, but we'll see. So... With that, we're going to wrap this up. Um, Everyone, enjoy your July 4th weekend. Um, We will be back with you guys on Monday morning to recap
1: the Toronto Blue Jays series. So everyone, take care.